We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always my co-host Nick Villato. It's fun tonight because we get to break down the Giants defense on the All-22 film. A dominant freaking effort, man. I don't care what the final score says. Oh, seven points. That wasn't seven points. Giants fumbled a punt inside their own 15-yard line, and Washington scored a touchdown on that. That ain't points. They had a goal line stand at the end of the game, essentially a goal or a goal to go stand at the end of the game. Turnover on downs, interception of Deontay Banks, same number of sacks. As Nick said to me in the in our pre pod conversation on text, it felt like there was a million three and outs. It felt like it was just three and out after three and out of three and out. We kept looking at the time on the <laughs> clock when Washington got the ball back. Just ridiculous slew of three and outs and third down stops by this Giants defense completely overwhelmed Washington at the point of attack on the offensive line, just completely overwhelmed them. Some weird decisions, in my opinion, by the Washington coaching staff. I think they're clearly worse with Eric bien versus Scott Turner. Clearly worse. One of those things, you know, no one thinks they think, oh, it's Eric bien He should have had a head coach job. He's so good. Scott Turner, who's that? The film hasn't said that story for a long damn time. Scott Turner was wildly underrated as a coordinator. And bien I didn't see much because Andy Reid ran that offense. I'm seeing some now, Nick, and I felt like they didn't run counter enough. They didn't run enough of those pinball concepts that killed the Giants. They didn't stick to the run game enough. They leave, left Nick Gates one-on-one against Dexter Lawrence, which was stupid. They double-teamed Lawrence at an uh, underwhelming rate compared to what the rest of the league did against Dexter Lawrence the, this game, which was stupid. So Wink Martindale was in his bag on this one, Nick. He dominated the enemy in this one, and the Giants defense as well dominated this Washington offense. A lot of the reason why Eric Bieniemy came off looking bad, though, was the defense's ability and Wink Martindale's ability to dictate to the offense, just based off matchup. Sam Howell's limitations. I mean, Sam Howell was sacked the most times heading into this game. The Giants doubled what they had in sacks throughout the entire season. They had six <laughs> sacks in this game. They only had five entering this matchup. And dude, Wink Martindale is like a salivating dog entering a matchup against a quarterback like Sam Howell, who is prone. <laughs> to take sacks. And I agree, Eric Bieniemy could have done some things differently. But look, when you crowd the line of scrimmage, you force one-on-one matchups. And that's what Wink Martindale does. He crowds the line of scrimmage. He forces one-on-one matchups. And Nick Gates is that damn unfortunate soul who has to block big number 97 all by <laughs> himself way too often. But I'll say this too, man, to your point about just Washington and just curious play calls. There were times where they left Sam Howell five-man protection. It's like this kid didn't yeah. even have a shot. Because he hit his back foot, and there were like three dudes in his face when it was obviously a pressure situation. So there right. were some, there was certainly some questionable coaching uh, by the by the Washington staff. Man, you know one thing that was kind of interesting. We saw yeah. a lot of Xavier McKinney in the post in this game, more yep. so than normal. I had 62% of his snaps. He was the single high middle of the field closed safety. Some of those cover one and those cover three looks on average, it's about 48%. And the Giants didn't really run a lot of too high. We saw a little bit of two man, which is something that we've seen in previous games that the Giants have flirted with a little bit more than they did last year. That means you have, it's called cover five as well, two deep half safeties and the man coverage underneath. But all in all, the Giants, right from the first drive, man, just dictated with a ton of different pressure packages. You saw fire zone. You saw overload blitzes with twists from the linebackers and the ends. You saw twists from Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence. It was, uh, it was such a treat to see. Yeah, you said it best. A lot of twists with the D-line and a lot of those 
you know, fire blitzes. And I love the interior blitzes. That was a Steve Spagnolo specialty. I just love using the linebackers on the interior of the defense to blitz up those A and B gaps aggressively and oft as often as they did in this game. I think you brought up a great point. Sorry, go ahead. Did you want to say something? Well, I was going to say one thing, fire zone, just because I'm not sure how many people know what that is. A fire zone is just a five-man pressure package with zone coverage on the back end. It's that simple. There are some, so many different closed side, open side, A gap, whatever. But that's essentially what a fire zone blitz is. We saw a lot of those in this game by Wink Martindale. Overload blitzes, you overload one side, and then you send. Wink Martindale loves to overload one side pre-snap, bail, have that protection slide over, and then have an advantage to the other side. We saw that a ton in this game as well. So just from a pressure standpoint, we saw so many different creative and exotic things from Wink Martindale. And we saw the return, Dan, of attack the B gap. We saw yes, the return of attack. The B -gap. About. I love oh, that. Man. Attack the B gap. Almost every game I'm good with. I know this game, it made sense because they were leaving Brian. Like they, they could afford to attack it without worrying about the, 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 the responsibility in the past game. But I just like the idea of the aggressive style that they played in this game. And it's something I think about a lot when I listen to, um, and this is going to diverge for a second, but I listened to Chris Long talk on a podcast recently, and they asked him about the why you know Jim Schwartz was the first person to be able to slow down Kyle Shannon's offense. And he's had a lot of success against Kyle Shannon. And Chris Long has played in Jim Schwartz's system, and Jim Schwartz is the defensive coordinator for the Browns. And he, and he said, I don't really know, but one thing that comes to mind from my days playing with Jim Schwartz as my coordinator is he made me kind of throw out everything I learned as a defensive lineman. He said, forget about your gap responsibilities in the run game. I just want you to attack aggressively uphill on everything. And he feels like, and he said, the same thing is with the corners. I just want you to press bump, press man all the time. But I just love the idea of having the D lineman not think as much about what your gap responsibility is. Yeah, it could kill you in the run game, but does it, man? Like, I felt like it totally effed up Brock Purdy in that game and the entire Wash uh, San Francisco offense. In this game, the Giants were super aggressive, like you said, with the B gap, and it totally effed up Sam Howell. I just like these game plans better when you dictate and you see what happens. And yeah, sometimes it's going to lead to explosive plays for the offense and big things, but it's also going to lead to stuff like this against a quarterback like Howell. We saw it in Sunday Night Football, too. One way mm -hmm. that Philadelphia was able to stop the Miami Dolphins right. horizontal rushing attack was they were just sending Hassan Reddick up aggressively and just flying into whatever no gap was his responsibility. No regard. Yeah, that's not necessarily what the Giants do, but this is why we talk about getting the offense off script on defense yeah. and how important it is. You get them into second and eight. You force them into third and nine. And Wink yep. Martindale can do whatever he wants. And what we mean by attacking the B gap, we'll go through some plays that illustrate this, is you send both of the end men on the line of scrimmage wide. And what does that do? That forces the tackle, the fan out, and open up. The B gap comes open because on the interior, you take those defensive linemen and you slant them all inside. So the guard's going to block down into the center. And then what happens? B gaps come open. Usually it's a six man protection and you're going to have that running back who has to choose who to go after. If the giants are seven, seven plus, there's going to be a free rusher. Something we saw a lot last year. Something we saw a lot in this game. Yeah, you're damn right. And one thing I want to mention about the McKinney thing, playing more in the post. I've gotten to the point, Nick, we can have this conversation later. We'll get some plays in a moment, but I just, I don't know what you're supposed to do in today's NFL as a safety because the personal foul that McKinney had took on that, like he's, I'm watching him. He's not leading with his helmet, which is what I thought was the rule, but they didn't call it that anyway. They said just to hit on a defenseless receiver. The receiver makes the catch and goes down to his knees, like, and then McKinney kind of runs it, just can't slow himself down by that point and hits him. <laughs> like, all right, you want to call that? It's fine. It's by the rules. We're, we're thinking about player safety. But then you see four plays later on the deep ball to McLaurin down the left sideline. McKinney, as you watch, if you, I know you watch that on tape, Nick, like, McKinney makes a play on that ball in the old rules and he slows down to not take, to not hit that receiver. He even said to Art Stapleton who quote tweeted, I put the play up. He's like, yeah, I talked to McKinney and he said that definitely did impact how I played that next play, that next bomb. Yeah. And he said, I got lucky to even touch him down and that saved the touchdown by the way. But like you watch McKinney slowing down, like McKinney has the break. I don't even know if that's a catch if McKinney's allowed to run through that. And maybe that's what you're supposed to do now. That's what the NFL wants. Safeties aren't allowed to run through these plays anymore. But I just don't know what a safety is supposed to do. And it just changes so much of how football's played. If, like, I, I get it. We don't want to hit the quarterback, and that's fine. We really can't afford injuries there. Look how bad some of the NFL's played with when, when we have guys like 
Brian Hoyer out there this week against a bad Bears defense. But, you know, safety play, it, part of the X's and O's and what I fell in love with the game is you have those safeties, two high, one high, whatever it is, who's back there, who can make those plays on the football, but they're able to drive through those plays. And if you see start to see guys slowing up like that, it's almost like they have one high it, or it's almost like they have no safety help at that point yeah. because it, and it's, it's just, it was tough to watch that throw to McLaurin at the end of that game, because I don't think that ball's completed 10, 15 years ago. And I don't know, like, it just didn't look like football almost to me. Well, maybe we'll put up that play. I'll, I'll find that one. No, I know what play you're, you're referring to. And I just think the NFL needs to do a better job picking up the flag and maybe have somebody just dedicated to these personal foul penalties and these unnecessary yeah. roughness penalties where they can step in just on a dime and be like, look, he led with his shoulder, didn't lead with his head, just to quickly correct that. That's going to make this operation be so much smoother. Now, will the NFL hire someone to do that for every game? Probably not. But that's probably what should happen. It shouldn't just fall on the officiating crew because they are in a really tough spot as well, as much as I like to bash right. officials sometimes, they're in a very tough spot trying to regulate the game and make it more safe, which is a noble feat. But at the same time, safeties have to be able to do their job. If they execute an just impeccable hit on a, on a wide receiver, they shouldn't be flagged for it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right. What's going on, Big Blue Banter listeners? I'm excited for the football season for several reasons. And one of those reasons is Prize Picks, which is North America's largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform. And it's so simple to use. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including professionals, sharks, and people who are going to exploit you, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections, and you just watch the winnings roll in. It's very simple to play and gives you a little extra skin. I've set my picks in less than 60 seconds. There are so many stats to choose from, and the withdrawals of funds are easy and quick. Dan and I will be adding a segment to our show before every game where we pick our favorite stats, more or less yards or touchdowns, what have you, and we'll be discussing why from a scheme, matchup, and game theory perspective. I love their promotions and how easy their interface is to operate at prize picks. I may select more on tackles for a loss from Bobby Okereke or Kayvon Thibodeau next game. They also do other sports as well. It's a really cool experience. Please join Dan and I in the fun of prize picks. Go to prizepicks.com banter and use code banter for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, go to prizepicks.com banter and use code banter for a first deposit matchup to $100. You will not regret it. Make Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day. There are few things better in the world than kicking back, watching some football, and biting into some delicious Little Caesars pizza. Order Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We're online during our pizza pizza pregame. One hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day on Sunday. And get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Old world pepperoni, pepperoni, extra cheese, Italian sausage, olives, onions, pineapple if you're into that. Put it on half the pie, the entire pie. There are so many other options that I don't have time to name. Slap that on a round crust, a thin crust, a stuffed crust, a Detroit-style deep dish. Either way, you win. And speaking of winning... Everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few. Yeah. All right. Let's get to the tape. Let's get some breakdowns. I have a few clips after you, and I'm going to show that I found it. So I'm going to show that McKinney clip at the end, too. We'll come back to it. All right. Cool. Yes. No, man. This is just all just a bunch of pressure packages that we're about to go over here from Don Wink Martindale and this defense. We can see this is a second and nine situation early in the game where Sam Howell just gets absolutely gobbled up by Dexter Lawrence. Look at the front. You're going to have a tight front. You have three defensive linemen who are inside of the tackle. Both men on the line of scrimmage creating that five-man front that we talk about all the time. And the Giants are going to send Micah McFadden as well, which is going to force running back Brian Robinson to come over and pick him up. So you have, at least you're trying to have a hat on a hat. What does that do? That creates the one-on-one matchup for Dexter Lawrence against Nick Gates. So you can see the guard has to take Leonard Williams. 71 has to take 55. 91 gets uh, goes into the tackle. And then 77 just kind of helps Brian Robinson with Micah McFadden. So now it's just on Dexter Lawrence. He knows he has that one-on-one matchup. Just win to the inside, rip through the block attempt of Nick Gates, <laughs> collapse into the pocket, and sack Sam Howe. There's another view of this. I don't know if you have it up here, the end zone view, Nick, but I just laughing at you talking about that as a block attempt by Nick Gates. That is him wrapping his right arm around the neck of, <laughs> of Dexter Lawrence in the most blatant hold that wasn't called in this entire game, maybe the entire season. I have no idea what your job is as that, that official that we see right behind. If you don't call like throw a flag on this, just what are you doing? Like, what's your point there? And why are you standing there? Because I mean, he's just got his hand fully. You can't see it as much from this angle, but fully around the neck of Dexter Lawrence, despite being held here and choke slammed here or choke held here, Dexter Lawrence still able to complete this sack, which is unbelievable to me. And also, if you look to the right side of the screen, Kayvon Thibodeau drops off in the coverage. Yeah. We've seen the New York Giants. I'm not criticizing Ashawn Robinson, who had a phenomenal game here, played, I think, the second most snaps that he's played all season. But we've seen defensive linemen run into this guard to get him away from the A-gap that's coming open. Ashawn Robinson doesn't really do that. He just extends out to the tackle, and then 77 is able to help Brian Robinson with Micah McFadden, but it didn't even matter. But those types of pressures alignment, pre-snap alignment, and then what they do post-snap just to hold their attention long enough to allow a looping linebacker or someone coming from the backside right. is something that Wink Martindale has all throughout his uh, exotic pressure packages. It's awesome to see here they get home for a big sack first of the game. And here is 608 first in 10. This is a completed pass, but we're going to have slanting up front. We're going to have Jihad Ward drop off into coverage and Sam Howell gets rid of the football really quickly. But I just like what the New York Giants do because 71 and 76 both fan out to Jihad Ward. You're going to have 93 also. He's going to release outside. So if you look, you have three Washington blockers on Raheem Nunez Rochez. And then you have Xavier McKinney and Micah McFadden both coming with four blockers on four to the other side. Now, Sam Howell gets rid of the football very quickly, but you can see how the New York Giants are poking and prodding because this is in the beginning of the game and trying to find ways to break the confidence and break what the protection package of Washington is attempting to do on this play. They send Xavier McKinney off the edge, and then they send Micah McFadden as a somewhat of a delayed blitzer as well to create a two versus one on Brian Robinson, but the football comes out really quickly. And here we're going to see a five-man protection where the Giants are going to get a tip to force an incomplete pass here, but they also get a free rusher. Look, Giants are just crowded on the line of scrimmage. You got six guys on the line of scrimmage. 
How are they going to block six with five? I'm not really sure. They don't. The tackle has to eliminate the most dangerous man, which is Bobby Okereke, leaving Jihad Ward to run in free. Bobby Okereke still is able to get his hand on the football. And you can see how Micah McFadden falls off into coverage, leaving Nick Gates with no one to block. Sean Robinson also does the same thing. This is just ways that the Giants waste blockers, and the Giants end up somewhat getting home here, but just harassing and forcing an incomplete pass. And now we're going to have a third and four in the first quarter, still 442. This is Leonard Williams sack. This is a, an elite move by Dexter Lawrence because Dexter Lawrence, he's the nose. And this is going to be a defensive line, defensive line twist, a game up front. He engages Nick Gates and then he grabs Nick Gates aggressively. The guard to the left of the offense sees Dexter Lawrence and he looks for help. Hey, I'm going to help my center out. I'm not going to allow you to be. And he just hits the hip of Dexter Lawrence. So what does Dexter Lawrence do? He just keeps his hands attached to Nick Gates and then holds 77, I think. No, no, he doesn't get 77, but he also picks 76, the other guard, and brings them both down to the ground. A defensive hold, but 77 was so focused on Dexter Lawrence that he didn't even realize that Leonard Williams was looping. Look at Leonard Williams. Imagine having a big 99 running at you like this if you're Sam Howell. Yeah, three lane. Frightening. So just another creative way to get pressure. They only send four here. They could have only sent two, and it didn't even matter because... Dexter right. Lawrence ends up occupying three blockers' attention, bringing two of them to the ground with a defensive hold, and then Leonard Williams ends up getting that sack. Yeah, four-man pressure, and you still get the sack because three different players allocated to Dexter Lawrence there. Yeah, it's just crazy. And here's the Jason Pinnock sack. This is a third and seven at the top of quarter two. The Giants are going to overload the left side of the line of scrimmage, and then they send a linebacker end twist. You can see how Kayvon Thibodeau and Bobby Okereke are going to send a twist. This is going to throw off Brian Robinson. You can see Brian Robinson is going to account for Bobby Okereke. He sees the twist from Kayvon Thibodeau, comes off. The guard squeezes to eliminate Bobby Okereke. But since Leonard Williams is also on that side and Kayvon Thibodeau is initially the end man on the line of scrimmage, somewhat with Jason Pinnock there. But my point is the tackle to that side has to pay attention to Kayvon Thibodeau. So he steps down when Kayvon Thibodeau steps down, thinking that he's transitioning a twist. There's a lot of twists here, a lot of layers with Leonard Williams. But the thing is, nobody picks up Jason Pinnock, who also comes on this blitz because you have Bobby Okereke who's focusing on, I mean, you have Brian Robinson focusing on Bobby Okereke and then Kayvon Thibodeau, who is going to get Jason Pinnock. It's just overloading one side of the line of scrimmage. If you look at the other side, you have four Washington blockers on two. Giants, right. defenders, wasting blockers, creating match or mismatches and advantageous situations for your guys. Look, this is a defense that anybody can get a sack. Here we have a Jason Pinnock coming down mm. with a third and seven sack, an important play for the New York Giants. Yeah, I love how you broke that down. Anytime you see that wasted blockers like Washington has there, you know it's a good sign. And let's get to this Deontay Banks interception because it's a fun oh, one to break yes. down. Deontay, I have it zoomed in a little bit, but you can see how Deontay Banks initially, this is zone coverage. He has, I'm assuming, a, a deep third type of responsibility. It's an inside release where Logan, or whoever that is, John Bates, Logan Thomas, it's going to release underneath the linebackers. You can see Deontay Banks making a push call. Like, that's not my assignment anymore. It's not my assignment. So now it's on him to just flash his eyes, see if there's any backside crossing routes. Is there anybody coming into his zone while also kind of keeping your perifs on Sam Howe? And he mm -hmm. does that. And he sees Sam Howe starting to look in his direction. He's like, he's not looking at Logan Thomas or whoever that tight end is. Oh, shit. Jahan Dotson's running a deep horizontal crossing route. Let me just undercut it. And the ball kind of floats up there perfectly for Deontay Banks just to undercut it and come down with this interception. And man, I'm telling you, dude, we talk about it a lot. It's going to get annoying, but he's not just a man coverage cornerback. I don't give a shit what right. PFF's grades say. This, this kid has shown signs of understanding how to capitalize on zone coverage and come away with PBUs and game-changing plays like this one. Yeah, and you know, look, I know PFF didn't grade him well in this game. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of issues with PFF's grading scale, which we don't have to get into again. But I think this is a great example of what you discussed, Nick, on previous podcasts. You, I feel like you almost put this into the ether. Like, this is going to happen, <laughs> right? Like, we saw these examples of him coming off, passing off players, and just having great football, high, high football IQ in these zone spots. But then now the example of him actually finding an interception from it. And this is just such a great individual play. You did a great job breaking down. Does it help that the ball was floated? Sure. Uh, and look, it's behind the wide receiver. But even if it's not behind the wide receiver, I think he potentially just cuts this off anyway, honestly, no matter where this ball is thrown, given where he is in relation to where the receiver is. And that's just a testament to how well he read this and how early he made the decision to kind of break toward that football. 
Now we're going to have a third and 10 attack the B gap from two opposite sides here. And we're also going to have Leonard Williams engage the center to allow Jihad Ward to come in virtually unabated. But look how much movement there is up front. This is a third and 10 obvious passing situation. Wink Martindale loves this. You're going to have Jason Pinnock and Jihad Ward coming from different sides of the formation flood into the B gap with Kayvon Thibodeau going wide. It ends up being the A gap for Jihad Ward because the guard kicks over so far. But look at Leonard Williams' original alignment. Leonard Williams is a three technique to that side, the B-gap side that gets attacked. And he's going to go aggressively and just hit Nick Gates. That's deliberate. It's like, I'm going to draw your attention because I don't want you to go into the A-gap to pick up Jihad Ward because I know what's going on here. I know what's going on. You can see Nick Gates is like, hey, Leonard Williams, what's up? We used to be teammates. And he moves with them. And then what happens? A-gap comes wide open. And now you have two rushers because Kayvon Thibodeau wins around the edge. Jason Pinnock is the player who ends up getting picked up by the running back and the guard, this is one of the reasons why you loop. This is one of the reasons why you slant. Right. You bring players who aren't supposed to or don't traditionally blitz because it confuses the protection. You have four eyes on Jason Pinnock and none on Jihad Ward. And then ultimately, it's Dexter Lawrence who wins this, who was originally the nose, and he just loops all the way around and just runs right by 71. Sam Howe has to get flushed out of the pocket by Jihad Ward, runs right into the waiting arms of big number 97. And I got to say, I, I tweeted this or X this, whatever the hell you want to call it. How um how smooth is that? He gets this sack and watch how he just rolls over. This is impeccable timing, right? He doesn't rush into it. He just like slowly, gradually, confidently rolls into his sexy dexy dance. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, man. Now we're gonna have a second and one, another sack. Giants are gonna run cover one on the back end of this, and they send five man pressure. I'm gonna call this the Green Dog 58 because the Giants okay. were doing this and um. A green dog blitz is when a linebacker or whoever is responsible for the running back comes on a blitz because the person they're responsible for stays in protection. And Washington didn't account for this. They never ran like a delayed, I'm going to just act like I'm blocking, get Bobby O'Karake to commit to it. And Bobby O'Karake is, is a very patient player as well. As you can see, he's not just going in uh, wildly here. But you can see how Bobby O'Karake confirms Brian Robinson is staying in the blitz and then he just runs in or Antonio Gibson, whoever the running back is. You can see Antonio Gibson is tasked with Isaiah Simmons here, 58. He slowly goes, and then he's like, all right, I'm going to go. And you're going to see this happen a little bit later on in the game as well. But the Giants here, they just win up front. Dexter Lawrence. <laughs> Dexter Lawrence is, wins every rep against Nick Gates. This, I know. This is another twist, though. Leonard Williams, look, Leonard Williams engages the guard. Dexter Lawrence goes through the A-gap, then Leonard Williams loops around. But Dexter Lawrence just freaking bends right <laughs> through the contact of Nick Gates and gets in on Sam Howe. But you saw how Bobby O'Carrick is like, I could I could go here, right? Like, I could go here. Well, they do this a little bit later on in the game. Now, it's the second half, so you made your halftime adjustments. You watch the tape. You're going to see the running back staying in protection. Bobby O'Carrick goes right in, and he's the result of this sack. This is a nice right. adjustment by the Giants to notice, like, hey, when they're in six-man protection, that running back is staying in. And it's not even like he necessarily had to or he was in the right location to block. He's just helping the tight end with Isaiah Simmons. That's all he's doing. The tight end's on Isaiah Simmons. Like, oh, hey, buddy, I'll help you with Isaiah Simmons. Cool. And then Bobby O'Carrick is like, all right, that C-gap is wide open. I'm just going to run right into it. And he does. Sam Al's like, what the fuck, man? Help me out, guys. Yeah. Pick up this damn pressure. And runs right into the waiting arms of who? Dexter Lawrence. Yeah. What a dominant game from Dex. Oh man, yeah. All these pressure packages, though. There's just so many adjustments. Yeah. It's just it's such a nightmare if you're Washington to pick this up. And trust me, we're New York Giants fans. We cover the <laughs> New York Giants. We know botched protection packages. It's just really good to be on the other end of this. And here's a possible missed touchdown I wanted to bring up. I don't know if it would be because this is a really nice man beater. Like again, they they started calling man beaters and they started having some success using tempo, changing the launch launch point for Sam Howe. You're just going to have another kind of rub route where you're going to have a wheel from the number two and the number one is going to run a pick. Now, I don't know if Deontay Banks would have closed with and got over the top of this wheel route because Deontay Banks stops himself right as Sam Howe starts to rear back to throw this football. But it's at least plausible that Deontay Banks was really processing what he was seeing at this point. 17 stopped and then he would have not reacted quick enough if Sam Howell decided to throw the football right now to the wheel. Because look, the wheel's open off that rub right. route. But Sam Howell got safe with it for some reason and went with Terry McLaurin and decided to throw this to the back pylon or the front pylon on this wheel route to the number two receiver who clearly beat whoever that cornerback uh, is. And now we have the final play of the game. 
this is the one man I was like, this is a five man protection yeah. against against a, a player who was sacked. It reminded right. me of the end of that Green Bay game last year. Yeah, yeah it's a good point, but it, like five man protection against a quarterback who has been sacked yeah. 40, 40 times at this point in the season, six times in this game. And you still had Sam Howell make a phenomenal play to avoid Isaiah Simmons. This should have been a touchdown. Look in the end zone right now. Now right. he's already thrown, but look in the end zone right now. You have two guys who are wide kind open. of wide open. And, uh, you know, Sam Howell, he's under a lot of pressure. I'm not throwing Sam Howell under the bus here, but Sam Howell is able to find Jahan Dotson, but the throw is not on target. But if you look, man, you got Logan Thomas and whoever that other wide receiver, that might be Curtis Samuel, kind of wide open in the back of the end zone. So the Giants, man, they missed with their pressure. The Washington rolled the dice, only keeping five guys in. Sam Howell made a miraculous play, but he couldn't make the Giants pay for their aggressiveness. Love it. And that's a great final stand to the game. I got a few plays I want to throw in there, Nick. I'm going to start with this one. This was, I thought, one of the most unheralded play of the game here. It was just before uh, that final play that you saw. Deontay Banks here on the bottom of the screen has to work through the traffic oh, yeah. there and then comes back, shows aggressive, uh, shows the aggressive ability and the comeback speed to make that play. Look at the speed from Deontay Banks. Like if you don't, I've seen this play and Art Stapleton tweeted about us. We've seen this play with Jahan Dotson score against the Giants. We've seen this play score against the Giants before. If Banks doesn't make this high effort play to fight through that trash and then have that kind of recovery speed, it's probably a touchdown. At worst, it's a first down. And this could be a whole different ball game. They get to overtime, and who knows at that point what happens to the Giants. So I just love this play from the rookie here. Again, I just want to show it one more time. Just the ability to fight through that natural pick, that mesh in the middle of the field, and just find a way to make that tackle, that game-saving, touchdown-saving tackle. This then I want to show another angle. It's one of the more unheralded plays of the game. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Just absolutely unheralded, working over the mesh, still being able to close to the hip and make a tackle before an incredible athlete like Terry McLaurin picks up the first down. That's got to applaud that. This is just a, a play that I just wanted to show just because I thought it was so freaky. Like, just focus on 97 here. How in the hell does somebody who's 340 pounds Move the way that he moves after the snap. Look at this again. This is insane to me that a 340 pounder can get over there to the tackle and get to the right shoulder of the tackle and then beat the tackle around him to get to the quarterback. Like, are you freaking kidding me? He's a 340 pound nose tackle, essentially, and he's making moves like this from a movement standpoint. It's absolutely insane. It's big reason why he's one of the best players in the NFL. Yeah, this we we just broke down this play, but yep. I'm glad you highlighted just his freakish athletic ability because he that's exactly what he possesses. Like it's Crazy. insane. And combine that with how efficient his hands have developed to be yes. under Andre Patterson. It's really scary. He had some just combinations, club swim combinations against Nick Gates combined with his explosiveness. That was just like, holy shit, how did he do that? It's just he's very rare. He's very unique. There's not a lot of 340 pound. I remember I said this during the offseason, Dan. I said something like there's not a lot of 340 pounders or there's really nobody like Dexter Lawrence. And then people were like sliding into my DMs like, dude, you forgot about Linville Joseph and you forgot about uh, who was the other snacks. Harrison, someone said, and I was like, dude, Linville was a beast. What? Yeah, I love Linville Joseph. It's not Dexter Lawrence. Snacks oh Harrison. God. That's not an indictment on Snacks. Snacks played. Oh, no, but these guys don't move role. like that. They weren't pass no. rushers like that. What are we talking about here? That's crazy. And me, that was obvious on tape back in 2021. It yeah. just wasn't actualized yet. There right. wasn't a coach that brought it out of them. And that's no knock on Sean Spencer, but whatever Andre Patterson is doing, and also within this system, and according to Leonard Williams and some of his comments last week, there that's a real thing as well. It's unlocked this guy. And when you're 340 plus pounds, I don't care. You could be the favorite of the coaching staff. Get the most out of him because there is no defensive player on this team that has more potential than Dexter Lawrence. Not even close. Not even close. Um, just this last one I want to show here real quick, or one of the last ones I want to show. This is what I was referencing earlier when we broke down McKinney. So this is after he gets that penalty a few snaps later. Just watch him from that. Watch. See that? See that yeah. slow up at the end there? That's just crazy to see. Like, watch as he slows up through that and then so tries lucky to avoid contact. Like, it's just hard no. to play safety in the NFL right now. Like, I just don't know if this is Dude, right go back to the beginning. 
go yeah. back to the beginning to look how much ground he has. Now think about this from Covered. his perspective. How much on the offensive podcast did we discuss and talk about looking off safeties and how much of an impact that can have? Now put yourself in the safety shoes. Let's look at it from his perspective. He understands, oh crap, they're targeting that guy. I got to help my teammate out. I got to execute my assignment. I got to cover all this ground. And you run over there and you time it up perfectly and you lay a great hit with your shoulder right in the midsection or on the chest of the wide receiver. And then you get flagged. Like That's so frustrating. And that's right. why I have such an affinity for defensive football and defensive players. It's because professional football right now, rightfully or not, is so catered to the offense. And I get it. Fantasy football, safety, all those things, 100% understand. But it is so difficult to play defense in the NFL. It is. And you could see in that clip, he just slows up there at the end. And I think that's because of what happened. Um, I want to show one final play here, and then we'll get out of here. Or we'll get to superlatives and get out. Or no, we'll talk players and get out of here. Um, just one final play it was the first play of the game. I just love, you know, we didn't talk about him a lot, but Bobby Okereke had another really good game. Oh, and yeah. I just loved this play by 58 here. Just watch him, Phil. I mean, this is just textbook. Get in between that, get into that gap around 71, the right tackle, and just stuff this play up for number eight. That is perfect execution. Yeah, he was doing it all, all game. All and game. the Giants all against, game. G against GH counter, it wasn't like they didn't run GH counter. They did run. Right. GH counter and it was just filled really well by the Giants and the Giants man whenever whenever this team Washington got tricky and they were trying to run 12 with double Y or 13 personnel with the H back coming on GH to the double Y side they would just be like cool we're gonna align a Sean Robinson as our six technique and he's gonna take on your tight end and absolutely annihilate him and that's exactly what happened because a Sean Robinson is 310 pounds and the tight end is what 260 at best so I thought Ashawn, not just because he was going up against tight ends, but even against the offensive tackles, had a good game here. I'm glad Did. that he bounced back. This was his best game as a New York Giant. Bobby Okereke, Micah McFadden. Nacho had a, a couple really good reps in there. Yes, I thought as well. Nacho too. Nacho. And that's what we want, right? Like I like DJ Davidson. I think he played like eight snaps in this game. I like him, but I want to see the most out of Ashawn Robinson because the best Ashawn Robinson tape I've seen, he's not like over the hill yet in terms of age, right? Like, I want to get that player, and we just haven't seen it yet. We started to see glimpses of it right. in this game. Same with Nacho, but Bobby Okereke and Micah McFadden, Dan, phenomenal. Just and phenomenal. that's what I wanted to make clear in this post-film you know, post part of our analysis right here, that both Bobby Okereke and Micah McFadden had a phenomenal games in this, and that's back-to-back -back really good games. And Okereke, just because he wasn't as good as he was last week when he was unreal, was still really freaking good in this game. And Micah McFadden is the big one, Nick, because you know I was a little down on him earlier this year. I think he just looks like a totally different player on film, if I'm going to be honest right now. He's just playing at such a faster speed. Is that because... He's not thinking as much and he doesn't have to process as much because he's processing it faster naturally. Sure, fine, but he looks different on tape. And this version of what we're getting on tape is a fast linebacker who's really good inside the box, makes all the dirty plays for this defense in the run game and hasn't been exposed yet in pass coverage. Maybe that will come in time, Nick, but it hasn't happened in a long time. And so it's only, you know, it's hard for me to focus on. Is that still a liability? Is it still something to worry about when he's looking this fast on tape and providing so much for them inside the box? And he does such a good job avoiding contact. And that's something yeah, we don't no, talk about crazy. enough, man. He is so just dialed in on how to make offensive linemen miss. Because he's small, but not only is he he's smaller, but he's also wildly bendy and has a really low base. And he can get his ass basically like three inches off the ground, bending around a blocker trying to get to him, dip around and then re-square to his responsibility and then execute his assignment. And that's not something a lot of linebackers do. Look, we watch a lot of linebackers over the years. <laughs> Other than Blake Martinez, who had one good year here with the New York Giants, and he did. He was good. I don't I don't think he it was a system fit too, by the way. I mean, it was, but he was a good linebacker. Bobby Okereke, to me, right now, like we haven't seen that type of linebacker play because yeah. Bobby Okereke can do the coverage thing. And right. that's not what Blake Martinez was about. Blitz. Right. Blake Martinez was really good in the box. And Michael yeah. McFadden's not there yet. But you're starting to see like the processing. You 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 see the physicality. Like I've never right. watched Michael McFadden's tape and and thought like, oh wow, man, he's kind of passive there. Like he's very aggressive coming downhill, and he packs a punch. It's just can can he finish tackles at a more efficient rate? That's kind of our big um, question mark with Michael McFadden right now. Over the last couple of games, he has. But uh, instinctually and athletically and operating in the box, knowing your assignments, being gap sound. He's executing all those very well, and I'm pleased because this looks like it's the second 
and I think I said this last week, but it looks like we're, we're starting to secure ourselves as saying Joe Shane has two day three yeah. hits from the 2022 draft. Two day three hits. And also, as we look forward to this thing, future wise, Nick, it's also the potential to have two good linebackers on this roster, which we haven't had in a long time. Two young, good linebackers. Bobby Okereke just coming off his rookie contract with the Colts. Not no major injury history. Still a young player. McFadden on his rookie contract still after this year. Two more years under team control at very cheap price. Like there's a chance that they have their two set primary down linebackers on this roster at a young age. And that's like, we haven't even felt like we've had one over the last five, six years. Now we might have two on the roster moving forward to the point where we enter this draft coming up in this off season for agency as well. They may not have to be a focus anymore on, on you always want to try to improve every unit, but maybe you look to day three at linebacker and you don't have to really even think about it on day one or day two. And that's a really good sign because they got to think about things like edge. They got to think about things in my mind, yes. even still like corner because who knows about a future year, even still at some point, like even other positions like safety come to mind in addition to everything on the offense side of the ball. So it's just good to feel like maybe they don't have to feel that way at linebacker. They may have two set dudes in there in Okereke and McFadden. The way they've looked these last two weeks, it really feels like it. I would. I do want to see some edge rushing help for Kayvon, though. Like it yeah, sucks that Azizo Jalar is not around. Like Boogie Basham, look, he uh he goes out there and he's just one of those guys. It's like oh he's on the field. You you don't expect anything. Like no. you just don't. He's not going to make any glaring mistakes, but he's not going to make a play either, yeah. and that sucks, man. And again, he's new. Maybe he'll learn the system a little bit more. I think that's glass half full type thinking at this point. Though. I just think yeah for an edge especially agreed for somebody on the D line especially it's less. It's it's more glass half full of thing. I think the Bills got rid of him for nothing for a reason, pretty much there. Um, but we'll see. You never know. He could yeah. he could bounce back into anything else before we get into superlatives. Jihad Ward had a solid game. He I did. Think. He did have his best game of the year. <laughs> I feel that. like. Uh, I also thought Trey Hawkins the third stepped up, and he, I think he surrendered one catch where it was like I think Logan Thomas, and he tackled him out of bounds, and Logan Thomas and him like got really physical out of bounds, but it, it cleared up. But I just wanted to acknowledge that the six round rookie, after looking, you know, he got put in a really tough spot against Tyreek Hill. I don't want to blame him, but overall, I, I was pleased to see the secondary bounce back with this other player we're about to talk about, who had a phenomenal game without a Dory Jackson out there. Yeah, and so we'll get into our superlatives, and I'll run a little clip just to show one of the players who's going to make it. And that's Nick McLeod, who made my superlative as the unheralded player of the game. I think he made it for Nick, too. Here he is at the top of the screen with pretty damn sticky coverage and a PBU against Terry McLaurin. I mean, every time the Giants give this guy snaps, he's productive. It's crazy that he looks this good on film every time he gets a chance and just doesn't get that many chances. Maybe this will open up their eyes because he had two PBUs in this game on, like, limited snaps. And keep ru keep running this play, man. This is, yeah. this is so it's beautiful. Textbook. Look, like he he stays on a double on, move. So he he tries to run a double move. He tries to to get McLeod to panic. Essentially, you know Terry McLaurin's a veteran. He's like, oh, I got this guy over me, man. I'm gonna right. no McLeod stays over the top of him. So Terry McLaurin's like, oh, I'm gonna work back shoulder. Let me work back Crazy shoulder. Rep. And then McLeod is still able to get his hand on the football and force his PBU. This is such a big boy rep from Nick McLeod. It's a crazy good rep from Nick McLeod. He also had the PBU against Logan Thomas later in the game. He needs to go on the field. And I felt like, you know, to a lesser extent, Cordell Flott also had another good game. I'm feeling pretty good yeah. about where he's at um, versus what we've seen at times from those DBs. McLeod, though, is a very good, like, type of, uh, you know, back-end roster guy that I think should get more snaps, um, really, honestly, as soon as whenever. Like, I, I'm okay with Trey Hawkins, Nick, but I would personally be playing McLeod over Hawkins. I agree with that. I think McLeod's dealt with some injuries earlier in the season. So maybe yeah. there's something where they wanted to ramp him up because they obviously respected him. They, they raved about this kid, but they did right. try him out at safety as well. So I don't know if they that's the other thing the with McLeod, right? Like they're trying him out at safety for a reason because they've seen they're confident in his tackling ability. What have we seen? Some bad tackling Dre Hawkins they even felt like there was a rep in this game where Hawkins didn't do a good job of making a tackle. And so you could also get a boost if you play McLeod more from a tackling standpoint. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think the cloud should be out there. I think Ashawn Robinson is another player to be thrown into the unheralded mix, but Nick sure. McLeod definitely gets it. Okay, highest effort player is another tough one. Jeez, man, I have no idea. I'm going to go with Micah McFadden because Micah McFadden oh, didn't yeah. make those plays that jump out on the stat sheet, but Micah McFadden was everywhere, as was Bobby Okereke and Dexter Lawrence, but I'm not going to get too greedy with Dexter Lawrence. Guy wins best player overall every week except for last week, so let's just <laughs> give it to Micah here. Yeah, it was between Micah... Bobby Okereke, who I thought played with amazing effort. Mc, uh, I'm sorry, Xavier McKinney, I thought, had a really high effort game used in different ways. Oh, Kayvon yeah. Thibodeau always looks like he has high effort to me when I watch him on tape. And obviously Dexter Lawrence, who plays with just crazy effort. But 
push comes to shove, I went with Michael McFadden as well. I was close with the Petrino Carrick and McFadden, and it is partially like you know relative to the fact that they play linebacker. It's easier to look like you play with higher effort there. You're asked to do more from an effort standpoint, but they've showed up, and so I'll go with Michael McFadden there. How about the best play call? There's a bunch to choose from here as well. Any of the pressure packages. Yeah. I don't necessarily have one, but if I if I had to choose one, it's the the one where um, I think it was Jason Pinnock and Jahad Ward loop mm-hmm. into the B gap with Kayvon running wide, Dexter Lawrence running wide to the other side, and then Leonard Williams occupying the attention of the guard to allow Jahad Ward to run in unabated. Yeah, I, I, I'm 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 letting the users choose. This is a pick your own adventure kind of thing. There were a Go lot. Back. Watch watch Nick's breakdown of those pressures, and you could pick your favorite one. Best player overall on tape. This one, you know, is there's no real debate this week. Yeah, it's Dexter Lawrence, man. It's always Okereke was amazing, and any other yeah. given week, Okereke could have got it, and I think McFadden could have been on the mix in some weeks as well. But no, it's Dexter Lawrence. This was an he's insane. A, game. He's a unicorn, man. He had he's eight a- pressures in this game. He was <laughs> he for what? What do you have? Two sacks? Like he's just all over the place, absolutely annihilating Nick Gates. And I'm not trying to knock Nick Gates because he had a really rough game. But this game kind of showed me like a lot of fans were pissed that the Giants let Gates go. I'm not one of them. I John Michael Smith is their center moving forward. What would Gates be for them? A depth guard piece, like. Could have used that though. That guard, <laughs> would you say they could have used that this yeah. year, sort of? But like, also, if Nick Gates got matched up against the Dexter Lawrence type D line, then he becomes what he was on tape in this game, like incapable of matching up at all. And I know it's a tough spot for any center who's put in that position, right? Like, yeah. But this wasn't like this wasn't a game that you looked at on tape and said, "Wow, like how did the Giants let go of a Nick Gates type?" Like, I feel that way every time I watch for beyond the box score. Nick Kevin Zeitler play football because Kevin Zeitler is mm. still a goddamn good player, and we called it at the time a thousand times on this podcast. Why the hell would you ever let Kevin Zeitler go from a bad offensive line to begin with? Just idiotic stuff from Dave Gettleman, one of his last and final just disgustingly bad moves. It was just disgusting from Gettleman at the time. Like how the hell are you letting a veteran lineman go when your line was that bad? Just pathetic stuff. And he had plenty of cats. So fucking moving around cap to add idiots and to make room for idiots. So he can get rid of Kevin Zeitler. And now Zeitler's had two good years. So I feel that way when I watch Zeitler for Baltimore, Nick, but I don't feel that way with Gates, to be honest. You should tell him how you really feel, man. Well, maybe he can. This go is how you really feel. Get- oh, brother. This guy stinks. Yeah. Yeah, is that SpongeBob? Is that what that is? That is SpongeBob. I feel like the background, um, like audio from SpongeBob. There's so many like great ones, like my leg, like that yeah, one is yeah. like a famous. Well, there's a lot of yeah. No, you're you're right about uh. First off, Dexter Lawrence is an absolute beast. I, I wanted to posit something real quick to you before we get out of here. Is Kevin Zeitler the best offensive lineman the New York Giants have had in the last, let's say, let's say five years? Not named Andrew Thomas. Last five years. I think so, right? Yeah. We forgetting somebody? I don't think so. I think he's the best offensive lineman they've had in there in the last five years. And somehow, some way, they decided they didn't need him and they could cut him for cap space. Just... It's 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 like this is why people like me hate Gettleman so much, because these are the most rudimentary, basic decisions that he's getting wrong. It's just the most simple shit that he, for some reason, can't figure out and does the opposite of like an idiot. Like you're watching just some idiot do this thing. And he's not an idiot. He's so much. He's so much smarter than me when it comes to football. Dave Gettleman, he lived and breathed football his whole life. He knows a thousand percent more than me about football and Nick and everyone who breaks down sport. And yet he makes some of these most basic, stupid decisions as a GM and just destroyed the roster in so many ways. And it's just, it's just so frustrating watching Kevin Zeidler whenever I watch the Ravens. Now that's all I wanted to say. Okay. Player expected to see more from Nick. I, this is great to say, cause it's the first time we got it all season. And I see you have the same answer. N.A. N.A. No one on this defense played bad on tape. Not a single soul on this defense had a bad game on tape. No, no. I mean, I'm trying to think maybe you could say Isaiah Simmons just because he didn't get in on the sack yeah. frenzy. But Isaiah Simmons, <laughs> he's being used creatively. Like I said, there, there's sure. attention being paid to him. I'm not going to sit here and say it was Isaiah Simmons, but he just didn't get the sacks like like um, a lot of these other guys did. Yeah. Which that's a benchmark. I hope that we always judge for this category is, did you get a sack? No, you suck. Yeah. That'd be nice. (laughs) You can have six sacks a game. All right. Pass rush grade one through 10. This is going to get the highest grade I've given this season. And I'm curious if it dates all the way back to last season. Easily. I have a 9.1, I believe. Is that mine or is that yours? Either way. It's good. It's very good. 
You went with a 9-1. I went with a 9-3 here. Just almost perfect here. Dexter Lawrence, Kayvon Thibodeau had got in on the party. Just great pressure package from Wink Martindale. It was one of those games where you watch as a fan and you're like, this offensive and offense, and then, sorry, this offensive line, and then in part, this or in turn, this offense has no chance. They just have no chance, yeah. the Washington offense. It felt so good to be the team that's giving them no chance. Because how many times have the Giants offense had no chance because it has of the to line? be the the last, like in the last two seasons, how many times have we felt that way? Just the Colts? Yeah, just the Colts, really. I would say. Yeah. I don't think even that game wasn't like quite like this one, in my opinion. This was no, a different no, level. No. That was more just really bad and competent Maybe. quarterback play. I felt like Paris this was Campbell mossed Xavier McKinney. Oh, yeah, true. So. This was just <laughs> an annihilation up front. Run defense grade once done. This is also the highest grade I've given. 8.6. It was very good. I could have went higher, but yeah, I'm going with a nice strong 8.6. I feel like they really put the clamps down on the rushing attack of the Washington football team. Really, the only bad rep was the touchdown run by Brian Robinson, which was set up again by a muffed punt from a person who right. doesn't return kicks. Yeah, and it was a nice cutback and processing by Robinson. I gave it an 8-9, just really great run defense. Dude. And we'll end on this note because I thought I saw you put it in your notes. And I really One, one thing before you say that, I just yeah. I love Brian Robinson, man. I know that dates back to college. but yeah, You're a big Brian Robinson guy. There, there were plays where the Giants should have had a tackle for a loss, and he picks up like four I yards. Know. He's good. He's, he's underrated. He's so strong. You were right about him. I, was, I, I didn't really watch enough of his tape at Bama. You were 100% right about him. It's just there was one play where the Giants had him stopped at the line of scrimmage. And he just picked up five yards. And I, I wanted, I think I might've put it on Twitter or I was going to put it on Twitter. I was like, but it's a five yard gain. That's not that good. <laughs> but I'm like, but the giants played it very well. That's, that's right. like what I want to focus on. It's just Brian Robinson just has a lot of will to him, man. I want to end on this note, Nick, because I think I didn't get a chance to join the preview show. I know you predicted a win. I would have predicted a win for the giants too. That was not expected. They were underdogs. And a big factor was we just felt so confident that Wink Martindale would have a great game plan and would dominate the Sam Howell in this offense. And we were right. And it was spot on exactly as expected. And you put in your notes, like Sam Howell is the exact, you said kind of QB that struggles to find success against the Wink Martindale defense because he takes too long to get rid of the ball. And that's just not going to work against a Wink defense. So looking ahead, Nick, what other quarterbacks on this giant schedule do you think could potentially fit into that bill outside of Howell? Zach Wilson, the next Hopefully. week, you just look yeah. right at Zach Wilson and say he is the prime quarterback right. that's left. I would say Derek Carr, he's been really good getting to his check down. So I think I'm maybe being a little bit um, just mean to Derek Carr. Garoppolo, you could say, but he has answers too. It's just he is prone to making mistakes with the football. It's a little bit different than this situation, but it can be applied. You apply the pressure, more mistakes will end up happening. And then obviously Jordan Love, who... Yes. I'm not the biggest fan of if I'm just going to be frank. He's yeah, I do good. not like Jordan Love. No, he's not good at all. And I can't wait to see Wink against them. There's some quarterbacks left on the schedule where Wink can have a fun time with. So I'm excited to watch the tape of this Giants defense moving forward. Thank you, everybody, tuning in to the Big Blue Banter podcast. Nick has got to go. His dog is waiting for him. And by his dog, I mean the cute – look at that cute boy behind him in that picture. You know, people once commented on this. No, you went the wrong way. That um, Phoenix is uh, – that you love – that they love that you put Phoenix in the background. I agree with that. It's 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 a, it's a beautiful thing to have all those pictures up there of Phoenix. Uh, he's a great dog. I've spent some time with him. So go out there. Go find Phoenix. For the rest of you listening, please like, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Leave us a review. On YouTube, make sure you subscribe. On iTunes, make sure you're down, set up for auto-download. You know all the things by now. Keep it locked and loaded. More content coming this week. Thanks again. Have a great night, and we'll talk to you soon. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not ready our foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.